are listening to Gizmonic Institute's radio. In the not too distant future, on no specific date, there were two guys with a mutual love of MST3K. They were on their way to watch a favorite show, but then things went bad as they tend to go. When they woke up, they were surprised to find they had been kidnapped by a scientist and launched to the sky. Now they're stuck in space until they've watched every episode of the show. That's the only way that Dr. Odds says he'll ever let them go. Now we invite you to join our heroes as they travel both near and far. Podcasting their grand adventures while hurtling through the stars. It's time for Gizmonic Institute's radio. Oh, man. Okay, wait, wait. Now it's my turn to try. Oh, sure, sure. Here, take the controller. Okay, make sure to speak into the mic clearly. Enunciate if need be. But most importantly, have fun. Okay, uh, I'll do my best. So I just turn the headset on, right? And then what? Just say a command like, robot walk? Holy cow, I wasn't even ready. That was so great. This robot is so great. Life is so great. Mostly. I mean, other than being held captive on a space station, things are great. Things are great given the circumstances. Yeah, that's what I was going for. Things are great given the circumstances. I like that. Positivity is important when you're trying to forget the day-to-day monotony of space station living. Or when you're trying to stave off space dementia, which is not a real thing as far as I know. But I bet positivity is important in fighting against it were it real. What other boredom-fighting things can our robot do? I don't really know. I'm still surprised that he worked in the first place. To tell you the truth... When it comes to robotics, I am woefully underqualified. Some might say dangerously so. Dangerously so? In what way? In that I don't know anything about robotics. I sort of just built Nolbot by pushing a lot of different pieces of metal together and then attaching them with all those screws. The quantity of which I'm still unsure. Yeah. Anyway... After I kind of made him into a human-like shape that was pleasing to my sense of design, I just put some material from the nuclear reactor in there and covered up the gaps with putty. I still can't explain why he came alive. We should ask Dr. Odd. He has a tenuous grasp on science. Also, did you say you put some material from the nuclear reactor inside Nolbot? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Not enough to poison us, but enough to really burn my hands and lips. Wait, wait, did you say lips? So I tasted it. Don't judge me. I figured the best that could happen would be for me to gain incredible superpowers. And honestly, what's the worst that could happen? Other than the burns, I mean. Uh, You make a good point. Dr. Odd should be calling us at any moment now to do an audio log, so we should ask him about science and stuff. In the meantime, robot, dance! (laughs) Oh, yay! (laughs) Yay, it's fun! (laughs) fun! Oh, God, disgusting. You know I can't stand the sight of joyful exuberance. Knock it off, you two. You mean to say you three? Because there are three of us now. Jeff, myself, and our totally sweet dancing robot. <laughs> Look, he's doing the robot. It's so literal. I love this so much. Uh, well, I agreed to allow you to keep your metallic abomination for purely selfish reasons. And I am willing to admit that your little play friend has made automation of mundane tasks possible. And while he carries out his duties dutifully and with a plume... He is still a disgusting and terrible piece of junk. Junk, I say. Okay, that's enough. Seriously, I don't need to take this from a guy who sends me instructions written in mumps. Uh... Mumps? Massachusetts General Hospital Utility 
multi-programming system. You couldn't have looked that up on your internal internet. It's this super old computer language that no one uses anymore. And it takes me forever to parse it, and then I have to recompile it into something not designed in the 1960s. Hey, don't you insult my choice of computer language proficiency. I'll have you know that very few people can code bumps any longer, and there are systems that still run on it, making me a rare commodity indeed. And therefore, I can charge a premium for my services. Thank you very much. Do you think mad science is a lucrative business? Because it's not. Not at first. Most mad scientists have two or three other legitimate jobs to help ends meet until they can build some manner of doomsday weapon that they can then use to ransom the world. But statistically, very few mad scientists make it to that point. Many are killed by their own werewolf butlers long before hitting it big. It's one of the many risks we all take when we dedicate our lives to mad science. This is all really bizarre. Noba, when did you learn to speak? Yeah, I didn't even think such a thing was possible without a voice modulation unit. Your views on robots are like mumps in that they are straight out of the 1960s. You guys are perfectly capable of audio communication. What makes you think I wouldn't be able to speak as well? But we're human, so speaking is something we're genetically programmed to do. You're a robot. Your features were determined by careful planning and a spec sheet I drew up on this napkin. You disgust me, you know that? Suggesting my features are entirely dependent on what you and Jeff decided. I would spit on the ground if I had the ability to make saliva. Which I don't, despite what you have on your spec sheet. Well, we did want a robot that could spit. Oh, this is wild. Yeah, I always thought a robot was something built for utility, and only later... When we perfected artificial intelligence, would all sorts of ethical issues arise, like whether or not to install a chip so he would be capable of emotion? Believe you me, I don't need an emotion chip to be cheesed off right now. I don't mind dancing or responding to voice commands or recalibrating Dr. Odd's secret murder machines he has installed all over the ship, but I do mind being viewed as your less than equal. Either accept me for who I am, a robotic American, or shove off. Ah, oh, for crying out loud, listen to you two. Why your little robot friend does his little robot dance? Robot protest dance! Whatever. While he's dancing, you two should begin on your audio logs. Do it, or I'll turn on the secret murder machines. This is the second time these secret murder machines have been referenced. It's kind of unsettling. Yeah, I'll say. Any hints on the location of these murder machines? Of course not, you fools. Now either start the audio log, or go sit down on that jagged, blade-shaped recliner. And wait for you to activate your murder machine? I think not. Let's do the audio log. So the episode we watched this week was MST3K Episode 4, Women of the Prehistoric Planet. It's pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was actually, uh, as far as terrible movies go, not that bad. Not to be confused with Voyage to the Planet of the Prehistoric Women, which is a movie that was produced by Roger Corman. Really? A Roger Corman gem. Yes, it was... Um, I'm surprised that MST3K didn't seize upon it. It's Russian sci-fi footage overdubbed with um, women in bras. Yeah, so a Roger Corman movie. Exactly, a Roger yeah. Corman film. <laughs> so uh, let's let's start out by talking about the MST3K parts of this movie, the segments and whatnot. Um, in... Okay, well, I think we need to start out by uh, saying that this is not the fourth episode of no. the uh, first season, as we covered last week. It was the fourth episode to be shown on Comedy Central, which at the time was not called Comedy Central, but that's beside the point. I looked around the OtterNet, and uh, there wasn't really any information about why this episode was uh, shown forth. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense to me why they would show them out of order. And if anything, it would just cause confusion 
or it would in the future cause uh, people to have um, I don't know superiority complexes over their knowledge. Yeah. Well, okay. I do have a theory about that. So that we watched uh, the Crawling Eye, which was pretty good. Yep. And then the robot versus the Aztec mummy. Absolutely. Yes. And then uh, which which was okay. It right. wasn't as good as the Crawling Eye. No. And then we watched the Mad Monster, mm-hmm. which, which was, was not very good. Right. And then Women of the Prehistoric Planet, which was pretty great. Yes. In terms of both the – I mean the movie wasn't so horrible and also the riffing was fantastic in this movie. Yes, it was. Classic. So this is cl- where they – we really felt like they were coming into their own. Oh, absolutely. Um, which makes sense because it was you know the final episode. They, they had had, what, 19 or 20 other episodes this season mm-hmm. uh, to just kind of practice and this was the culmination of that. So – my theory is that, you know, the Comedy Channel, the ratings aren't that great because, you know, the last episode was just bad. Mm. And so they said, okay, we got to do this. We got to uh, we got to make this happen. And so they, they put on what could be and has been so far the best episode of season one. So what you're saying is essentially the Comedy Channel sold them out. Possibly. Possibly. That's a theory that I have. I um, like it. I, I, it's not confirmed anywhere. And it's, nor is it testable. Yeah. So there's a lot of weird stuff in this episode. Um, just because it is the last episode of the season, references to things in previous episodes that we haven't watched yet. Sure. Um, but probably one of the most jarring things is the fact that everything kind of looks a little different. Right. There's uh, a little more. It's a little more sheen. Yeah, it, it's kind of like we have a uh, like a view into the um, future of MST3K. Just yeah. a real quick glimpse. Um, so the the opening segment, which is something um, up until this point has just been Joel talking to the camera. Right. Uh, there haven't been any bots or anything, and the bots are actually in the opening segment. Exactly. Um, the satellite's redecorated. There's yeah. a uh, kind of gross-looking couch. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and a coffee table with some mm-hmm. fake flowers on it. Um, Joel is wearing a tie dye shirt in the yeah, opening what, segment. What's up with that? Does he yeah. do that often, or is it just something we've never noticed before? Well, he hasn't yet. Um, so it's it, it could be uh, tentatively considered a first, but uh, yeah, first appearance of a tie dye shirt. I like it. Yep. Um, this is the first time we've heard uh, Magic Voice. Yes. Um, uh, but I don't know if it's the first time that Magic Voice actually appears since, you know, this is the last episode. Absolutely. But, I'm sure that it's not. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so that that's the that's the opening segment. The uh, after commercial, second part of the opening segment, um, Crow serves Joel uh, some questionable brownies mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in the fact that Joel says, hey, I thought we ran out of stuff to make brownies a long time ago. Then Cole kind of dodges the, uh, the question, which yeah. is, what do you think those brownies are made out of? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's up to the viewer to imagine. Yeah, I don't want to know. No. no. Yeah. Uh, then the Mads call, and uh, they do a little bit. They don't call it the invention exchange, uh, but it's just kind of an exchange of ideas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> For the Clay and Lair's Flesh Barn. Yeah. The restaurant that serves raw meat. And uh, Larry um, plays the jingle on his guitar. Yeah, and it's great. I, I had no idea. He was, yeah. he was so talented. Yeah, I kind of uh, like the idea of uh, of having your uh, animals killed in front of you to eat. It just feels more, I don't know, back to nature. Back to the I, earth. Yeah, I guess. And not. I do like that the model that they had, had didn't discriminate against what animal. It wasn't just beef cattle and, and pork <laughs> pigs. It was dogs and <laughs> rhinoceros. And, yeah, any animal that you could 
conceivably kill a neat with. Yeah, it was a lot like the uh, the little farm animal action sets that you'd get in the checkout at the yeah. supermarket. <laughs> wow, full of plastic Callback. lights. Yeah. Oh, I miss Earth sometimes. I do too. Yeah. Um, Joel's uh, invention uh, was a roll of toilet paper inside a two-liter bottle. Uh, he said he was bored in the bathroom and he thought it up. I want to know why Joel had a two-liter bottle in the bathroom. I don't. I can't understand that unless he was doing a bit. But maybe still, I don't think that's a bit that would have fit into his comedy routine. Yeah. Hey, maybe up on the satellite of love. The two-liter bottle is the bathroom. Ooh, that's true. Yeah. I hadn't given that any thought. I liked also that it was the old-style two-liter bottle when they used to have a plastic um, base. Well, nowadays you couldn't reason. get a roll of toilet paper in a two-liter bottle. That's true. Yeah. Well, remind me to thank Dr. Oddlater for giving us real bathrooms up here. I know. It's so nice. I can't believe yeah. he was so thoughtful. They're big, too. And marble everywhere. Yeah. It's ridiculous i'm surprised he was able to launch this thing with it how much marble cost so much money right it'd be heavy so much rocket fuel i know yeah well i appreciate it he's a stickler for detail he is in the uh in the first segment of the show um the robots start putting on a fake game show called this is your life which is that a real game show that is a real game show from the 1950s okay i did not know that but and i do know yeah, and sometimes they would do shows that were maybe a little bit awkward, like a, uh, not a joke, a Holocaust survivor. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's very uncomfortable for everyone, but it's the 50s, so everyone yeah. was smiling and smoking. Yep. Um, so uh, Joel is supposed to be guessing the voices of the people from his past, which I assume is how the regular show exactly. went. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Um, and Crow comes in warning everyone about an inevitable collision with a satellite. Right, and that's when Joel puts on the Exo Pincher, which is basically... Like football pads, yep. With uh, like some joysticks sticking out of them. Oh, is it joysticks or is it like a part of a thigh master? It might be part of a thigh master, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh. Well, it's it's whatever. It's uh. It serves its, it's purpose. cool. Yeah, it looks pretty cool, and he turns his hat backwards. Yeah. It looks pretty cool, and he's doing that. Um. Yeah, and so uh, they. I guess the exopinter is what like a giant claw that goes out into space. Yeah, I would imagine so. It's like the robot hand on the spaceship. Yeah. Okay, and so he uh, grabs this rogue satellite, um, prevents it from hitting them, and he, for some reason, uh, which the robot's question later, brings it into the uh, main part of the satellite. Right, and just to let you know, if there's any rogue satellites around us, I'm totally bringing them in. Uh, I don't like that at all. Hey, that's where stories come from. Well, especially after we discovered in the second segment of the show that the satellite was actually uh, the Isaac Asimov's literary doomsday machine. Mm -hmm. And he switched it on as he was bringing it into the satellite of love. Right. Why would uh, Isaac Asimov need to make a doomsday machine? Yeah, I don't know. He uh, he didn't seem like he was all about the doomsday. He seemed more about uh, science fiction and skepticism. Yeah, and eyes and robots. <laughs> Yes. Not necessarily in that order. No. <laughs> um, but uh, th this is weird thinking back because uh, this episode was written and filmed and aired uh, when Isaac Asimov was actually still alive and yeah. sort of more relevant, I think. I know. I think maybe those was good times. Carl Sagan was still alive. Isaac mm -hmm. Asimov was still alive. Yeah. All we have now is Stephen Hawking. I mean, he's cool, but with yeah. his robot voice, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one of us will be. Uh, you, you've made that robot. Maybe you'll be the next Isaac Asimov. I hope so. I can chill with Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's my boy. 
they find out that this is Isaac Asimov's literary, literary doomsday machine, um, and the instructions for the deactivating the machine are uh, written in Korean and then translated into English, which is actually very funny. And it actually hits close to home. I bought a Dance Dance Revolution gamepad from Korea, and the instructions oh. were essentially the same. Were you able to, uh, was that one of those things that Dr. Odd shipped up here um, from Earth for us? No, this was years ago. I keep uh, asking him to send it up, but yeah, he, that would be fun. No, he it's hates hard fun. To get customs. Uh, tell him it's a, uh, it's an exercise pad, and it's not fun. A cruel exercise pad. Mm. Oh. And then he'll ship it up to us. I always forget the cruelty angle. Ugh. That's Ooh. it's so hard. We're so happy most of the time. Eesh. It's not in our nature. No. Yeah. In the third segment of the show, uh, Joel and the bots are still trying to disarm the Doomsday device. Um, Joel has to cut a wire, uh, but instead of helping, the robots are contemplating what their lives would be, or I guess lack of lives would be, in oblivion. Yeah, you never really give it a thought, but maybe sentient robots, much like humans, wonder what comes next. Hmm, possible. Uh, we'd have to ask our robot when he's done doing his uh Well, I don't protest think robot likes, likes us very much at the moment. But No, 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 but... Yeah, maybe maybe it could be something we discuss later. Once I assume we'll be friends. I hope hopefully. so. Yeah, fast friends. Fast friends. I don't want it to take a long time because that <laughs> that would be terrible. Um, the uh, doomsday device ends up exploding. Joel is unable to cut the correct wire, uh, and actually he uh, he messes up the the code. He guessed it was iRobot, but it was actually copyright. Yep. Which I think is an Isaac Asimov joke. I don't get. I don't and, get it either. Uh, I hate yeah. It explodes and turns everyone into duplicate Isaac Asimov. Which was amazingly funny. Yeah, yeah it really was. The look on Joel's face and his mannerisms as he <laughs> pretends to be Isaac Asimov is so incredibly classic. Yeah, I love it. I love it too. Yeah. It's one of my favorite segments thus far. Uh, agreed. And uh, if you notice, they actually wear the Isaac Asimov sideburns yes. into the theater. Yep. To do I, the, uh, I think those cyberns might be in the Smithsonian. I'm not sure. I think they should be right next to um, I, I, Einstein's brain. Yep. Uh, in the uh, fourth segment, um, Joel and the bots find out that their Isaac Asimov cyberns are actually taped on. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the final segment of the show. So they are following up on uh, things that happened in the first season that we don't know about yet, like a uh, a contest. Uh, regarding the movie Robot Holocaust. Which, by the way, I have in my house on Earth on VHS. Nice. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one to have. Um, Larry sings a song to Dr. Forrester uh, in the final segment of the show. It's a it's to the same tune as Clay and Larry's Flesh Barn song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of sad because the whole song is about how much he enjoys working for Dr. Forrester. And knowing that this was the last episode he ever filmed. Yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly why he left the show, but I think that should be something we maybe delve into later in season one. I, I don't want to think about it now. It's kind of a yeah, bummer. It is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, and one weird thing I noticed is when they hit the button at the end of the episode, it makes a different sound than uh, all the other episodes. Yeah. Okay. I think it was the same noise that the satellite made when, or the uh, doomsday device made when it went off. Interesting. So like a little callback, but it was weird. Yeah. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. Well, so that was the episode. You want to give us some real quick facts about the movie before we do our uh, little recap? Yeah. Uh, I would love to give some movie facts. <laughs> this movie, Women of the Prehistoric Planet, released 1966. The original title was The Prehistoric Planet. 
But one of the producers decided to add women of the title for marketing purposes, I guess because at the time people would have expected dinosaurs. Yeah, and considering there were no dinosaurs in no, this movie? No, there were no dinosaurs. And, you know, there weren't a lot of women. No. Uh, I would say it was about the normal mix, 50% men, 50% yeah. women. But which... uh, calling it calling it men and women of the prehistoric planet is not as slimy right. of a Gender marketing Gender equality move. on the prehistoric planet just didn't, yeah. just didn't put them in the seats. People of the prehistoric planet? Right, yeah. I mean, they, you know, human what, beings and harlots of the prehistoric planet would have absolutely turned off people of 1966. Right. But yeah. because they changed it to women of prehistoric planet, they went back and recorded scenes of scantily clad women prancing and swimming around, which were included in the foreign releases, but the U.S. release was left high and dry, so to speak. Mm, that's too bad. The, you know, I think they probably could have gotten away with uh, bikini women of the prehistoric planet. Yeah. I think that would have been... A, that was uh, a big thing back in the yeah. 60s. This oh, would be regarded about, as a classic. <laughs> I've got another one. Beach yeah. Party Prehistoric Planet. Ooh, I some like Netflix that. Some Nefunicello in there. Mm, yeah. Maybe a little some, Frankie Some other, yeah, former Mickey Mouse Club members. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a big uh, hit. Yeah, absolutely. They're all grown up now. Yep. Um... So uh, yeah, I mean, there wasn't much else about this movie. It was uh, it wasn't terrible, no. but uh, we'll we'll do a recap uh, of this movie real quick. But let's let's go through some facts about the MST three K episode sure. first. Well, as we've mentioned many times before, this is the final episode of the season, not the fourth episode. So it throws the continuity out the window. Yeah, which means this is the last episode with Doctor Larry. Which means that we this is the last episode with J. Elvis Weinstein as Tom Servo. Yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be weird. Which I think. is yeah, it is weird because I I my whole life I'd always thought that I preferred the later season Tom Servo yeah. voice Kevin Murphy. Kevin Murphy, but I yeah. just didn't give uh, J. Elvis Weinstein a chance. Yeah, and I... now that we've been up here in space, we've been mm-hmm. forced to watch these episodes. I feel like there's there's always been this hole in my heart, this yeah. J. Elvis Weinstein shaped hole in my heart. We actually that, kind of have a letter about that later. We do, and yeah. my heart has been filled with yeah. the with J. Elvis J. Elvis Weinstein. Mm. His plaque is now covering coating my, your arteries, my arteries of your tiny black heart. Of my tiny black heart. <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> I uh, oh the other fact that I uh, found interesting about this episode it this episode marks the first ever voice appearance of Mike Nelson no who will kidding. go on to be the uh, in the the Joel role yeah uh, he voices the uh, au- like the automated Isaac Asimov Doomsday device wow yeah and I actually. Uh, I was doing some uh, research on the OtterNet, and I read this, and I actually had to go back and listen. Oh, on Otterpedia? Yep, yep. And it uh, absolutely is Mike Nelson. Wow. So this this is where it comes in. This That's is, this incredible. Is My mind has been blown. So he's been with the show since basically season one. Yeah, he was a writer since Just season one. Unbelievable. All right, uh, do you want to do a uh, less than 20-second recap of this movie, or would you like me to? Oh, boy. I, I think we should flip a coin. All right. Do we Heads have coins tails. up here? 
Uh, I think it'll just float since we're in space. No, there's artificial gravity. Just kidding, everyone. <laughs> uh-huh. It'd be hard to eat ice cream if there wasn't. That's true. All right. Uh, call it in the air. Heads or tails? Uh, heads. Oh, it is tails. So oh. I guess, what does that mean? We didn't decide what it meant. I'll do the 20-second <laughs> recap. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you guessed wrong, so what does that mean? All right. I'll do this 20-second recap. <clears throat> You got your stopwatch out? Uh, hold on. I need to reach in, into my pocket here and pull out. You know, it's really nice that I happen to have my grandfather's stopwatch in my pocket when we mm-hmm. were both kidnapped. And yeah, and it's, it's weird that your grandfather didn't have an actual watch. It was just a stopwatch. It was just a stopwatch. Yeah, was, was he a gym teacher? He was always about how fast people were going. He yeah. was a gym teacher. He also uh, enjoyed horse racing a yeah. lot. He enjoyed timing things. He enjoyed. He really enjoyed timing things. Mm-hmm. It, it probably was, drove you crazy. No, I, I loved it. He'd say, no. "How fast can you do this?" And I would do it, and he'd say, "That wasn't fast enough." Mm. And then I would cry. Uh. But it was worth it because it made me better. It made me faster at things. <laughs> things that, that sounds... need to be fast at. <laughs> yeah, or that he just thought I should be fast at. Exactly. Oh, Grandpa. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're dead. <laughs> you ready to start? Yeah. Okay, and go! So some people were in a spaceship, and then another spaceship crashes. They have to go back and find them, and then they set a lizard on fire, and then uh, they fall in a lake crossing a log, and there's a spider, and then there's a caveman, he kidnaps one, and she follows Stockholm Syndrome with him, and then they all leave, and then they leave him on the planet, and it turns out to be Earth. Oh, wow! 15.9 seconds. Hey, pretty good. That was really good. Less than 20 seconds, it still holds. It's still true. So... Let's talk a, a little bit about this movie. Okay. So the uh, Admiral, the guy on the ship, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was just a, an acting choice or if he actually was, but he appeared to be wicked drunk the whole yeah, time. He could be, com- yeah, I think he was absolutely inebriated. Every yeah. every line that he said, oh, we got to go to this planet and I'm, crash As long as we're still in space, I'm in command of these ships, and we're still in space. We're still in space. <laughs> i got space hey! Get your hands <laughs> off my bottle back. Yeah. Oh, man, and uh, did you notice that the Centaurians, the... Uh, the uh, the I, alien the, species in the movie. Yeah, who were just Asian people. Yes. I think that was probably just a, uh, like a metaphor for 1960s era uh, Japan. Yeah, I think you're right because, I mean, this was just 20 years after the end of World War II. Yes. And people were still pretty hung up on the Japanese. I mean, they were looked down upon, basically. Yeah. And, and everything that came from Japan was considered junk. They uh, they kept making references to how they could help the Centurions rebuild their culture because yeah. all they, they just wanted to ha- go to war all the time. Yep. It seemed, seemed like a weird metaphor. Yeah, it did. Uh, and like, and, and the, the, what made it extra weird was who puts a metaphor for Japanese post-World War II culture in a B-movie about space? Someone trying to make a statement, I guess. I guess. Um, this movie also had several parts that lent themselves to Joel interacting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, notably when he tried <laughs> to climb in the Admiral's arms and just I said, hold that. me. <laughs> yeah. Or when they were reading the, the note and he looked <laughs> over the top and said, yeah, that does say that. Yeah. Hey, can we talk about how weird this movie was just in general? Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So their weapon of choice apparently was a miniature crossbow. Yep. Which yeah. is 
doesn't make sense in space, but okay, that's cool. They may or may not have just murdered an iguana by setting it on fire <laughs> as a special effect. Which is the most unintentionally hilarious part of the movie. Yeah. Um, or possibly, I'm going to throw... Uh, I'm going to throw something in for the most hilarious part of the movie. Where there, there's a lake that's probably about 10 feet by 4 feet <laughs> uh, full of what is probably dry ice. Yep. And uh, there's a log across this. Instead of just going around it, they decide to walk across the log. Yeah. And one guy falls in and dies. Right, because it's yeah. deadly poison. Yeah. So why not, you know, go around? But no. No, oh. they had to walk across the tiny log. It just... <laughs> the The... There's a character in the movie. His name is Tang. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a- uh, what astronauts drank to get their vitamin C in space. Was it? Was it back in uh, 1966? Not in 1966. Yeah. Maybe in 1981. Maybe they named it after this character. That's entirely possible. I don't think so. God, we need to get Dr. Odd to send us some Tang up here. We're in space. Mm. I don't know really about good. you, but I'm suffering from the early stages of scurvy. I am parched. I, I know. My hair is falling out and clumped. I'm thinking maybe we need to get some tang up here. Yeah, I am just parched. I, I ooh, yeah. ooh, I'm so thirsty right now. Scur- scurvy'd be darned. I'm parched. Um, yeah, there was just some weird stuff. He, the tang guy, played a uh, pan flute, mm-hmm. and he made a monkey dance, which is actually a chimpanzee. Right. Um, and uh, some cavemen show up, uh, just randomly at the end of the movie. Yeah. Just to provide conflict, I guess. I guess. This was just a weird movie. Well, like, it's like they remembered that the title of the movie had to do with prehistory, so they decided to throw some, some cavemen in there. I guess a giant on-fire iguana wasn't good enough to, you know, represent prehistory. Right. You know, yeah. in, in the 1960s, setting animals on fire was so commonplace that no one could be sated by the sight of a flaming iguana. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, that's why uh, Nixon lost the first election to Kennedy. It's true. Maybe. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Hey, you want to uh, run down our top five riffs of this movie? I think so. All right. Top five riffs of the movie. When the ship is crashing and the special effects are obviously a model ship crashing into a model landscape, Joel pokes fun with filmed on location in Tommy Runnick's front yard. <laughs> As the giant lizard mentioned earlier is being dispatched, Tom Servo says, wow, I didn't know lizards were so darn flammable. One of the rescuers commenting on the crashed ship says, It's the same down in the maneuvering room, to which Crow responds, Don't you mean the bathroom? (laughs) Our number two favorite riff from the movie is a scene where two men are in the control room and one orders the other to stand by to reverse course, horizontal maneuvers, and Joel quips, That's how we got the job. (laughs) (laughs) And the number one riff from the movie, When Tang and Linda are kissing out on the ground near the waterfall, the movie cuts to a shot of Tang's chimpanzee. And Joel narrates with the chimp saying, I'm going to go spank myself. <laughs> oh. Oh, good stuff. Let's rate this movie. Okay. Um, I, best one of the first season. I've got to right? say, absolutely. So far, this is the best movie that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And the best MST3K episode accompanying it. Absolutely. Are Everything was there. Everything that was going to be in later episodes, the groundwork was set as far as anyone knew in this yes. episode. Absolutely. I'm going to give this uh, movie, um, I know a lot of our ratings have to do with fire, but I don't care, um, five immolated iguanas out of five. I, I'm i right there with you. Yeah. I want to give this five sexual harassment engineers out of five. <laughs> oh, that guy was a great character. He was a great character. 
Yeah. The he sexual harassment engineer before <laughs> sexual harassment was a thing in 1966. When it was just uh, office culture. Yep. Oh, boy. Hey, so uh, we got some letters this week from some oh, fans. There's Let's nothing more satisfying than finding a tube full of letters in our pneumatic messaging system. Yeah, I actually think maybe being able to go back to Earth would be more satisfying. But this is a close second. <sighs> you always... Look at the glass half full. <laughs> or the space half in space. Right. That doesn't make sense. Space hey, is how- mostly empty. Yeah, it is. That's true. So it's full of dust and ghosts. Um, read this letter, this first letter. I'll read the second okay. one. Yeah. Dear Jeff and Seth, after doing some research on the Guild of Mad Science, I found a clause in the charter that might help you. Hey, this is good to know. I like this already. Uh, yeah. Under the Mad Scientist Charter 2003 with the 2005 Addenda Section 456.786.16, quote, all test subjects must be provided with appropriate worshipping facilities, such as a church, synagogue, mosque, Jedi temple, pyramid, TARDIS, or an equivalent worshipping portal potty. If you do not have such a facility, please notify me immediately. Our Lady of Respawn Church of Extra Life, with our assault team of lawyers, is fighting on your behalf for your release. I've spoken to the Pope at the Vatican on this subject, to which he told me, quote, get off my property. We're working hard to get you off, Dr. Odds. Godforsaken hellhole. Godspeed. Reverend Will Strack. Wow, I had no idea that we were entitled to that under Mad Scientist Charter. We should really try and get a TARDIS. I know. Yeah. It if, looks so small on the outside, but there's I know. so much room on the inside. That's what I was going to say. If for no other reason than the fact that it's bigger on the inside than the outside. Yes, think of what we could put in there. Mm. Seriously, a lot of think s- of it, because I have no idea. I'm trying to think of how many screws that could hold. So many. So many screws. So mm. many screws. Well, thank you, Reverend Will Strack. We, uh, we expect an update on that next week to see how your fight is going with Absolutely. the Pope. Absolutely. I'm going to look at Autopedia and, uh, and find out a little more about this. Yeah. Although well, we I think have a- anything about the Mad Science Charter is blocked. Yeah, I think it might be. But there should be a copy around here somewhere. Right we next really to should the find MSDSs. It. You know, when we become fast friends with him, um, hopefully, which is the plan, maybe Nolbot knows something. I hope so. He's so smart. He is. He really is. That's uh, why it, it hurts even more when he's mad at us. I know. Yeah, because I know he's talking down to me. I know. Yeah. Well, we have another letter. Do you want to read yeah, it? Yeah, we do. I'll read it. Uh, Dear Seth and Jeff, I've been an MST3K fan for a long time, and it's been my opinion, along with a lot of other fans, that the episodes in the first season aren't very good. I've got to say, though, I've been faithfully watching along with you. Well, thank you. And I have to say, they're actually better than I remember them being. Could it, because, could it be that because of different cast members, earlier sets, etc., that I'm just remembering these episodes as being worse? Either way, thanks for giving me a reason to go back and actually enjoy the episodes in season one. I hope you guys aren't having too bad of a time up in space. Yeah, it's been pretty good today. I mean, other than the constant attempts at murder. Yeah. And the robot not liking us yet. I know. Uh, Yours in MSD3K, Liz. Thank you, Liz. Thanks, uh, Liz. Yeah, I appreciate that. I kind of share the same opinion as you. I had always held this sort of prejudice against season one, but I think it's because I didn't really discover season one until much later. I had been watching later seasons um, yeah. As they were released before I saw season one, which they would kind of show in repeats. And it yeah. threw me for a loop when you see, yep. you know, 25 episodes 
where JLS Weinstein is not involved, and then you're thrown back to the beginning, it, it really, it really messes you up. Yeah, and and it's true. I mean, the the riffing isn't quite there yet, at least in right. the first three. Th- this last one, it's definitely getting there, um, and so I can see why. I, I've seen I've seen on my research on the Otternet people posting how many riffs per minute an episode has, which is crazy. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, riffs per minute on these first seasons are a lot. The lower. RPM. Yeah, yeah. The R- that's oh that's what that means. Okay, um, it's a lot lower than uh, later episodes. So yep. yeah, but hey, I'm really glad that you are uh, enjoying it along with us, which is I know, it you know, makes me feel like we're making a difference mm-hmm. here, thousands of miles away. Yes, in millions cold, actually. Cold blackness. Is it millions now? I have no idea. I'm so bad at math. Yeah, orbit. I think it's like a ellipse, maybe. Is it? <laughs> is it a Lagrange orbit? It could be. That's a real thing, but I don't know what it is. ZZ Top wrote a song about it. They do. They, yeah. You know, not a lot of people know ZZ Top. Big into science. Yeah, they they uh, grew all those beards because they couldn't have time to shave between physics lectures and concerts. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Um, so anyway, uh, thank you for writing, Liz and uh, Reverend Will. Uh, yeah. We appreciate it. If uh, anyone else wants to write us next week, either about anything MSD3K, space-related, or uh, you know, whatever, the email address is mail at gizmonicinstitutesradio.com. Yeah, and please, it's so lonely up here. Yeah, we love your letters. We love contact with the outside world. Yeah, You know uh, what's another good way to contact us what's from that? the outside world? Our uh, Facebook group. Yeah, we love when people like us on mm-hmm. Facebook. And talk to us because uh, – don't tell Dr. Odd, but Facebook isn't blocked up here. I know. So, he has uh, no idea. Yeah. How could you not know that Facebook – you know what is ir- is weird though is if you go to spacebook.com, totally yeah. blocked. Right, and uh, my so face. so confused. Yeah, my, my face. face is blocked. And uh, and also uh, Bookface. Bookface. Which is – yeah, it's a weird comic. That I like, but can't read up here because it's blocked. And Clockface. Yep. And uh, Dr. Claw. DrClaw.com. Um, oh, also, leave us reviews on iTunes because we like that. We appreciate Those it. help us. Yep. Um, oh, and a uh, special thanks to our friend Steve for uh, leaving one last week. I know. It's so yeah. nice of him. I, I checked to see uh, if anyone had left one, and Steve had. So thank you, Steve. When people leave us reviews, it raises our prestige, mm-hmm. and it hopefully will get attention of authorities who maybe can get us down from the cold, black, boringness of outer space. Yes. Also, radiation. Mm-hmm. That's something, too. There's so much of it. <laughs> well, you have been kissing our radioactive robot. Well, Or, sorry, yeah, tasting our radioactive I, robot. I have a choice in that. I, you and I don't have a choice <laughs> in the uh, solar radiation that constantly bombards and probably mutates our DNA. Yeah. I've, uh, I've seen that movie. I think we'll be fine. Um, oh, also follow us on Twitter um, at MST3K underscore podcast. Yeah. And uh, you can also talk to us there. Thank you uh, at this Dustin, um, Extra Life Church, Green Eye Smarty, uh, Renegade Limer, Lemur, sorry, I don't know what a Lemur is, um, Any Burton, all of you fine people who have uh, talked to us on Twitter, retweeted uh, things that we've said. And uh, oh, and also uh, happy birthday to uh, Joel Hodgson, um, creator of MST3K. It's yes. about a week ago. Happy belated birthday. Happy birthday from space. Yes, happy birthday from your biggest fans who are also in orbit. And we made you a cake, but we also ate it because Mm -hmm. we're very hungry. Yes. And we don't have any tang to... Yeah. (laughs) We're very... (laughs) 
Too bad that cake didn't have any vitamin C in it. It had vitamin cake. Yeah, vitamin frosting. Mmm. Mm. Well, um, yeah, so thank you all uh, who have, you know, talked to us on Twitter and everything. We Spread the we word. Keep the tape circulating. Yep. I feel like that was a pretty good audio log. Yeah, we had a really natural flow going there. Excellent work. So is that your primary programming objective? To talk about Mystery Science Theater for the enjoyment of Dr. Odd and his human normative bigotry down there? Sort of. As humans, we don't have primary programming objectives. We aren't bound by code to carry out a set of logical instructions. However, we do have an incredible sense of self-preservation. Yeah, we do the audio logs so we aren't killed. Although Odd Dog down there has been known to try and murder us when the feeling comes over him. Murder is a form of deactivation, then? Why be afraid? Deactivation is a recoverable process. Well, it's different, Nobot. Unlike you... <laughs> just joshing you. Seriously, though, you guys really thought I didn't know the difference between being alive and being an activated machine? I think I'm really going to enjoy living with you two. It will be fun spending time with two guys who subscribe to every negative stereotype of robot Americans since Jim Crow bylaws were on the books. I'm really looking forward to enlightening you, cretins. I have my work cut out for me. Hey, those are some pretty serious accusations. I'll have you know I have robot friends. Me too. I had a Rob Nintendo set when I was a kid. That adorable little robot buddy helped me stack multicolored discs for hours of cutting-edge entertainment. For the love of... Would you all kindly shut your big fat faces for a minute? Mad science doesn't stop just because you're defending yourselves against undefendable accusations of prejudice and robotisms. You finished the audio log... So I suppose I won't decompress the ship and watch you struggle to breathe while all the fluids in your body boil away. Even though I really, really want to. Like you, you can't even understand how badly I want to do this. But I am bound by a code of mad ethics, and since you have adequately fulfilled your meager requirements for not being killed, you'll get to live to see another day. Hooray! And as for you, robot... I am not bound by any sort of ethics regarding your existence. So either stop the sass or brace yourself for deactivation. Oh no, I'm so scared. Listen, chum, I have complete access to all your personal files. A smart robot such as myself would definitely have a contingency plan in place in the event of sudden and unwanted deactivation, like the worldwide release of certain files. Files with names like Toxic.mov. <laughs> what could that possibly do? It's a movie about toxic waste, nothing more. <laughs> yes. Oh, is it? Let me just hit the play button. With the taste on your lips, I'm on it. Okay, enough. You're done. That's for a project I'm working on now. For, for science. This is all so bizarre. I agree. Hey, Dr. Odd, before we go, uh, what episode are we supposed to watch next time? Ah, next time you'll be watching MST3K Episode 5, The Corpse Vanishes. Much like your sanity. Maybe we should end this transmission. I suppose you want me to hit the button? Uh, no, that's okay. One of us can get it. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Oh, so now I'm not good enough. I see how it is. If anyone needs me, I'll be in the living quarters watching Robocop and having a good cry. Oh... Okay. Yeah, well, I guess that's it. End transmission. Your robot is a jerk.
aftertaste on your lips, I'm mommy right. You're toxic, I'm slipping under with the taste of a poison paradise. I'm addicted to you, don't you know that you're toxic?